let me just sort out all my bits. Um, wasn't worship so sweet that like, I feel I don't need to preach because we basically covered everything in worship that I was going to preach on. So let's go to the pub. No, but seriously, <laughs> let's make a start. Um, good evening. I'm continuing with our Samuel series tonight, which is Dawn of a Kingdom. And I'm carrying on from Gavin last week. So Gavin last week told us all about Hannah, this barren woman who had given birth to Samuel, like amazing that she had this child. And then because of this amazing grace gift that God had given her, she decided to dedicate this child she had longed for back to God, which was nuts, but incredible. What a reaction. Um, And so we find her now like singing a prayer of worship to God. And it's a beautiful prayer. But more than that, it's a prophetic narrative for the book of Samuel. So I'm going to read it to you. Never fear, I'm not going to sing it. Um, The words are on the screen behind me if you want to follow along. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah, and the boy was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli the priest." So here we have this woman who is singing, overflowing with gratitude to God. And I'm sure quite a few of us here tonight might have experienced that before. Maybe when you were first saved, when you first came to know Jesus and you had that all my days approach. Or maybe it's just in a time of worship where you've been like, oh my gosh, you are good God. Where you can't help but praise, you can't help but sing, you can't help but jump or worship. Or if you're like me, ugly, happy, cry and get mascara everywhere. Well, that's like Hannah here. Hope, like, thankfully not the mascara part. But she is overflowing with thankfulness for God. Because look what he has done. This barren woman is now with a son. And she is praising God with all she is. She exalts God with every part of her being in this new situation. But notice in this, she isn't singing the song of a new mother. Now, she is a mother that has been praying for this son, and finally she gets him. And you think she might be like, oh God, thank you for Samuel, his rosy cheeks and tiny chubby toes. But she's not singing either like a mourning mother's song, because at this moment, she is giving her son over to this old man, Eli, who is questionable. Um, And she's not there lamenting, even though she said, God, I'll give you this, but it's hurt, it's painful, it sucks. No, she isn't focusing on the gift of Samuel whatsoever. She is completely focused on the giver. She's rejoicing in the Lord for all he has done and all he'll do. Her song reveals so much of her understanding of God's character here, that he is holy and powerful, and sovereign. And that's what I want to look at tonight, these aspects of God's character that Hannah has sort of drawn out in this song, and what really struck me as I started to prepare this. 
So if you think back to Hannah's story, where it first started, flick a page back in your bibles. We read of her praying, and things were rather different. She was this sad-hearted woman mouthing a prayer of anguish and distress and bitterness. She was in so much pain. And now we look at her, and we see this whole different woman. She is a woman rejoicing in what God has done, open-mouthed, audibly praying out to her God. Her heart has been transformed from one that was sad to one that exalts in the Lord. She says, my heart exalts in the Lord. Now, biblically, people often thought that the heart was more than just like a biological thing that beats blood and more than just a place for emotions, but also like the center of the person, so your wills and your thoughts and your decisions. So by Hannah saying, my heart exalts in the Lord here, that she is, she's basically saying that the Lord is her life, her heart's confident joy. What a turnaround that is. And it seeps into her day to day. We see next... My mouth derived, oh, my horn is exalted in the Lord. I'm getting ahead of myself. My horn is exalted in the Lord. And you might be thinking, hold up. Okay, has the writer of Samuel just missed out a crucial point that she's a rhino? Like you're desperately <laughs> going back to the first page, searching through the context. Is, is there reference to her being this herbivore? But no. The Bible uses the word horn as a symbol of strength. So she's saying here, that the Lord has empowered her, that he's overthrown her weakness. Where we saw a page before, she was crying out in weakness. He has empowered her with his strength, which is so cool. And it leads her to say, my mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Or another translation says, my mouth is enlarged over my enemies. And again, this isn't a reference to a weird Cheshire cat smile or Kylie Jenner lips. It's talking about The fact that God's blessing, his goodness, how content she is with her father means that she can open her mouth wider to praise God in difficult situations. Penina, that other wife, might be poking at her, nagging at her, but she is so content because she knows God's goodness, her mouth is wide to praise him. And you might have had that before in a difficult situation where you turn to praise because you know God's goodness and it makes it easier. As I read this, I immediately went back to walking to my final exam in third year. I can vividly remember walking across QMC car park at 6 a.m. to go and revise with my friends, a bit nerdy outside. And um, if you'd have said to me second or first year, I would have been terrified and super nervous about going to exams. But I remember I had citizens and saints on, super loud in my iPod. I was worshipping as I went, so people were looking at me a bit funny. Um, And my mouth was enlarged because I was singing praise to God. It was wide with contentment, despite my circumstance. And it made it a lot easier. And thankfully, the questions I prayed for came up. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) But that's what Hannah does here. She knows who God is, so she enlarges her mouth to praise him because she knows what her God is like. Her praise is fueled by her scriptural understandings that she already has of God. And if we have a look, she sings here of God's nature. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. He's incomparable. There is none like the Lord. Nothing compares to God. Literally, absolutely nothing. Compare anything to God, and he wins, hands down, every single time, because he is holy. He's set apart from you, from me, from anyone. He is different. He's perfect in all of his ways. There is no one like our God. There's no one that could do what our God does. No one could have turned Hannah's barren stomach womb. Whoa. Biggish. I'm a biology teacher. That's so embarrassing. (laughs) Hannah's womb. Um, And made it have fruit. No one could have given her a child like that. 
except God. As our Holy One, he is completely outside earthly law and rule. As our rock, he is stable and secure. That he provides that strength and security and stability that we need when stuff is hard, when it's unpredictable, when we don't know where else to turn. That's him. He provides that strength and security that Hannah needs. Even now, her prayer has been answered. He still provides it for her. But more than just for her, for Israel and Israel's coming king. And before I move on from this beginning bit, I love and was also convicted by the fact that only one of the 10 verses in Hannah's prayer is saying about what God's done for her. When, when God answers Hannah's prayer, 90% of this is focused on all the things that God could do, which made me sort of stop a bit, because she understands there's so much more to him than just the gift of his grace. She understands that that gift allows her to worship even more. And I sort of had to check myself, because when I pray and don't get something, I often can get disappointed. When I pray and do get something, I rejoice, and there is nothing wrong with rejoicing in a gift. Not, that's not what Hannah does. She carries on. She starts to praise and declare who God is. And I think it's so easy to get caught up in, in praising the gift. So easy to do that tweet, that Instagram, that hashtag blessed about the gift and move on. Um, and that's not what Hannah does, although she is hashtag blessed. She does so much more because that gift is a window into what the giver can give us. It's just a tiny, tiny snapshot of gifts he's already given us, of what he can give you. Because when you really needed a gift, he really gave you Jesus. So Hannah reminds me right here and convicts me and encourages me and challenges me to thank God for the gift, but to then look to the giver. 10% on the gift, 90% on him. And Hannah uses that experience to sing about all the things that God can do. Her praise turns these series of like insane fortune reversals, like nuts things, Lives changed, and they express so much about God. He's holy and wise and just and powerful. All these things against the struggle of the human race and power struggles. Now, if you'd have asked 13-year-old Blinda to preach on this passage, which I would have strongly advised against, you would have heard a different story here, because as a 13-year-old, I thought I knew what should be in the Bible, and I thought I knew what shouldn't. So if I were to read to you as 13-year-old me, Verses 4 to verses 9, this is all you would have heard. The feeble bind on strength. Hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren have borne seven. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. And like, they're amazing truths. That's amazing stuff that God can do. But you noticed I missed out some of the heavier stuff. I didn't say to you, the bows of the mighty are broken. That she who has many children is forlorn. And then the big one, the Lord kills now, I used to sort of sift through and pick out all these good things, but these are in the Bible for a reason, because framed within what Hannah has just prayed, that God is holy, none like him, no rock like our God, that these are important here. So when we look at our world, our lives, our situation, when we look at it just on its own, stuff can feel heavy, like these bits here feel heavy that you can feel downcast if stuff sucks. Like John was saying at the moment, America, I mean, oh my days. I've got a lot of American friends, and my Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, is absolutely full of people who feel that this situation is really, really heavy and not okay. It's one of the biggest reversals that we've seen in the West, like politics, for as long as I can remember, mainly because I'm 
fairly young and I don't follow much politics, but is that? <laughs> um, and we see Obama moving to Trump. Now, I liked Obama. Like I said, I don't know much about his policies. I love that he was humble and fun, and I love that he did a mic drop after a speech. Like, I aspire to do that. I can't really do that with this one. I feel I'd be told if I like, rip it out of my hair. But um, I thought he was great. Now, Trump, on the other hand, not a huge fan of his hair slut or his walls or his current policies that are going on. But there he is and he's president. And if I look at that on its own, that seems pretty pants, doesn't it? And that's what a lot of my friends are posting, although I've chosen perhaps nicer words to use. But if I were to frame this reversal, this raising of a leader, this change, the way that Hannah has framed this in her song, and used the character of God, his holiness, is incomparability, is that a word, question mark? The fact there is no rock like our God. If I'm to use that to frame this change, then I should feel a little different because he is the God who is in control. It says here, for the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed, not by me, not by you, not by powers above us, but by the very power above us, by God. It is him that weighs these things. He's the one that can raise and lower He's the one that can appoint leaders or get rid of leaders. It's him. He's in control. He is outside our earthly rules. It's him. So who am I to say what's good and what's bad? Who am I to pick and choose? Now as a 25-year-old woman, I don't as much. But pick and choose out of the Bible what I think should be in there or what I think shouldn't. Because the Lord does kill or bring to life. We know his actions are just and right in their purest form because he's God, even if they don't meet my expectation, your expectation, meet social norms. Because who else, other than God, can see every single heart's motive? Who else knows exactly what's going on but him? There's no one. He can see the rich and the proud and the arrogant. He can see the poor and the weak and the humble. And he alone can judge them because he alone is perfect and holy. The result of that judgment might mean that present weakness doesn't last forever, or it might mean that present prosperity, power, presidency will fall. But his power and his position and his presidency over the entire earth is the incomparable thing. The only thing we can boast in is him. With him, strength doesn't depend on our position, our arrogance, whatever it might be. It's his strength, not our strivings, that prevails. It's him always him. So do you know what? He can give and take life. He can humble and exalt. It sounds heavy, but who else is like our God that could do that? Who else can see everything but our God and can do that? Who else can turn social norms on their head? And if there's anyone to talk about turning social norms on their head, it's our Hannah, isn't it? Not Hannah here, although you might have some great stories about that, Hannah, but Hannah in the Bible. She was a childless wife, and now she has a son, she was the object of mockery, and now her rival can laugh at home no more. She was bitterly distressed, and hey, now she's full of joy. God turned her life around. He empowered this weak woman and filled her with his strength and faith. Hannah's misery and barrenness was not unchangeable. And you know, she turns her song here, her prayer, to her own experience, where she says, the barren has born seven. Now, I read a few commentaries, and it sounds like 
a lot of people think Hannah had only six children. I say only six, but I don't know if I could pop out six, but well done, Hannah. Six children. She doesn't have seven. And the reason it refers to this number seven is because seven is a biblical number for like the perfect or the ideal. But the commentaries say, even though she only had six, the fact that she is saying the barren has born seven almost implies that with the gift of one son, Samuel, she feels that God has already made her like complete, that the gift he has given her is perfect, which is so cool, isn't it? That this one gift that she got, she feels is perfect. He took nothing and made it into something. Or for Hannah, he took nothing and made it into perfection for her, the ideal, the ultimate, which is so cool. And you know, there's some, another time that God took nothing and made it into something, which was the cross. In Jesus' life, we see fortune reversals like no other. Because he came down from heaven and was confined to man. And by worldly standard, I'd say that's a pretty big step down. He was a king, and he was completely humbled riding on a donkey, walking on palm leaves. He was sinless, yet died a sinner's death. The humiliation of the cross. But hey, because of that, he opened a gateway into the most insane reversals for us that you can imagine. Because I was once weak, and now I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I was once poor with nothing of lasting value, and now I have the riches of heaven, which is nuts. And even more, I was once dead in my sin, and now I have life and life to the full. Now, isn't that crazy that he gives life new life, honor, and dignity. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. If you know Jesus here tonight, then you are part of this. You are a royal priesthood and a holy nation. That I can stand here tonight that I was once a, a sinner and dead. I'm still a sinner, but now I'm a citizen of heaven because of him. That's a life changed completely on its head because he is sovereign, he is good. He's amazing. And you know what? He doesn't stop there, does he? He doesn't only lift us, but he makes us strong. His grace is sufficient for us. His power is perfect in our weakness. He uses our trials and our tribulations not only for our good, but for his glory. Doesn't always feel like the good's coming in the trial, though. I'm sure if you asked Hannah when she was mouthing that prayer, she probably didn't feel like it was that good. And you know, sometimes it doesn't feel like God is sovereign. Sometimes it can feel like you just don't know what's going on, and nor does he. And I remember in second year having such a bout of anxiety and just feeling sad all the time. And I think it was triggered by a statistics module because I didn't understand chi-squared tests or t-tests. If any of you do stats, like you probably know where I'm coming from, I preach. And like I used to get so worked up and anxious and like hysterical and panic attacky and awful. And I used to cry every night to God, please change this. Flip this 180 like you do in the Bible. Sort it out for me, please, right now, right here. Do it. And he didn't. He didn't do it right when I wanted him to. And it didn't make sense to me. But hey, that's why I'm not God. Because when he did break in, when he did decide to bring freedom, it was right at the perfect time. And when he lifted me out, he literally met me right where he had planned to before I even existed, which blows my mind. He knew that time before he'd even put Jupiter in space. Like, that is crazy. Because, you know, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His timings are not ours. His actions might surprise us. His timeline doesn't, doesn't meet our expectation. 
But his perfect timing meets our deepest need every time, as Hannah shows. So when stuff goes wrong, when you're in a situation that is just rubbish, when IS takes new ground, when a disconcertingly orange president is elected, when the very earth shakes, we don't need to worry to strive or try and do things in our arrogance or pride because the earth may shake, but it's set on his pillars. It says here somewhere, let me find it. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he set the world. So the earth may shake, but it's on his pillars, and trust me, they do not move. Rulers and powers in this world are but a smoldering wick compared to our sun. He guards the feet of the faithful. He judges the ends of the earth. He is seated on his throne in heaven because he is one, he is victorious, he is sovereign. And now, just to finish, let's bring it back to Hannah, this amazing woman. But this normal woman, like you, like me, longing for a child. And she was used as a turning point in the dawn of a coming kingdom because she knows there's nothing that God cannot do. She knows his power and his reign. She declares truths that she knows. She declares a testimony of a life changed. She's awakened her soul to things that she already knew. And she uses this to extend it into prophecy about what God will do. Right here at the end of her song, she drops this prophetic bombshell out of nowhere. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and anoint the horn of anointed. You're like, is it a minotaur? Is it a rhino? Are we doing this again? A king's coming. Hannah wasn't to know this. She was just a woman handing over her son. But yet she's singing about a coming king. It's not like there's a prince waiting to be crowned that she knows about. No, she just plops this in. A king is coming to rule over a kingless nation. And he's going to be picked by God to rule. And you know, I honestly believe, because of everything that Hannah's been through, her testimony, everything that she's sung about here in this passage, these reversals from good to bad or bad to good, the fact that God can flip it 180, because of all of that, by the time she ends up in this realm of prophecy, that she just has this sense that God's going to do the same for her nation. That she believes that the things she's singing about will be true for her nation's story. That, hey, maybe God can turn Israel on its head that maybe God can lift it from the ashes and give it new life. What an amazing way that God breaks that news. Because we see the prophetic song coming from the lips of a woman, a reflection of God giving power to the powerless. Hannah, once powerless, now empowered by God, a foretaste of Israel's story, currently powerless, but soon to be empowered by an anointed king. It's like he planned it, isn't it? God's going to bring back order to chaos. He's going to turn Israelite on its head, just like he did with Hannah. Ro, do you want to come up? But you know, that's not the only king that Hannah's song could be pointing to, although that's exciting enough. No, she could be singing about a king to come, like a millennium later, because Mary echoed Hannah's prayer when she sang the Magnificat, which is when she just found out that she was going to give birth to Jesus. She, she bases this song off Hannah's prayer, which I think is so cool. And she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. 
and his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the prouds in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mary knew she was to bear a king, a king that who had a kingdom that would never end, a king who would most definitely turn things 180. Do you know, I love that Mary sings that song based on Hannah's. I love that God knew she would, knew that Jesus would come, knew it all right back here when he was changing Hannah's life. Because he's sovereign. Because he sees and knows it all. He rules over everything, all the time, for all time. And so now I want us to be like Hannah, a woman who has a gift and praises God, the giver. I want us to, to come and praise God now for who he is, to awaken our souls, to declare truths that we know, just like she did. She had three simple truths, none holy, none beside you, no rock like our God. And she was able to sing such an amazing song of who God was. So I'd love us to do that now, to be like Hannah and to worship, declaring things that we know about God. And hey, like Hannah, if you have a prophetic word, if you feel that in your worship you hear something from God, then I would love to hear it tonight. I would love to see what God wants to do. So if you do, come grab someone at the front, me, Chris, whoever you can find, um, share it with them, and we'll hear a bit from God.